The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 10 and verse number 31, whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. But your job, working, employment, is that spiritual? Is that something we should do for the glory of God? We can see that in worship. We can see that in even giving or or sharing our faith, you know, doing that for the glory of God. But our job, what could be spiritual about our job? Well, again, not counting your sleep, you spend more time at work than anywhere else, your home or anywhere else. You spend most of your life working. Is it possible to honor God with your occupation? The Bible says that the gospel of Christ is the power of God unto salvation. Welcome to Pulpit Power, featuring Pastor Tony Skeving, Senior Pastor of Fargo Baptist Church in Fargo, North Dakota. Today's message was previously preached before a church audience. And now, here's Pastor Skeving. Let's take our Bibles, please, and turn to the epistle to the Ephesians and the sixth chapter. We've been in this study here for some weeks and months now, and we have come up to the last chapter of the uh, epistle written to the Ephesians in our series. Back in 1858, way back in Chicago, there was a store, and they had a, a set of rules written there for the employees of that store, everything that was to be done by them every day. In fact, uh, before they had breakfast, they were to trim the wicks on the lanterns, they were to bring in coal, they were to bring in water, they were to sharpen the pencils or ink up the quill pens, they were to dust the shelves, all before uh, breakfast, and then they were to work for 14 hours, and after that, their free time was encouraged to be spent reading. Now, we have it pretty easy in the day and age in which we live, and we hear about a 14-hour day when it comes to working, and we go, What? But this is a message about your job. You say, a message about my job? Yep. You probably spend as much time on your job with your work and your vocation than anything else if you exclude sleeping. And so, yes, your job, labor, if you will, working, is a big part of your life. And it's actually addressed in the Bible. Did you know that? That's how practical the Bible is. Now, we've had something for husbands, we've had something for wives, we've had something for children in the last few weeks. Today, we're going to be talking about employees and employers. Here in Ephesians chapter 6, we pick it up in verse 5, we'll read down through verse 9. It says, Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in singleness of your heart, as unto Christ. It goes on and it says, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will, doing service as unto the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. And ye masters, do the same things unto them, forbearing threatenings, knowing that your master also is in heaven, neither is there respect of persons with him. Good stuff here. We'll talk about it as we deal with this subject, you and your job. Let's ask the Lord to bless first. Father, we come before thee today. Dear Lord, we need, uh, we need an admonition. We need uh, truth. We need a teaching on this subject of something that we do all the time. Father, we pray that you'd help us to listen, help us to learn. And most of all, 
Help us to put to practice these truths that we hear today. For we pray now and ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Many years ago, there was a a guy who had only had a summer intern kind of a job. Now he was trying to get a full-time job. And so he made out his resume. And on his resume, he listed what he had done at his previous job. He said, I was um, involved in purchasing. He said, I was involved in uh, keeping the morale of the entire staff up, of uh, helping them to uh, be alert. Well, he was the guy who made the coffee run, basically, when he purchased coffee and kept everybody alert and morale high and that kind of a thing. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 10 and verse number 31, whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. But your job, working, employment, is that spiritual? Is that something we should do for the glory of God? We can see that in worship. We can see that in even giving or, or sharing our faith, you know, doing that for the glory of God. But our job, what could be spiritual about our job? Well, again, not counting your sleep, you spend more time at work than anywhere else. Your home or anywhere else. You spend most of your life working. Is it possible to honor God with your occupation? The very thing that you do for a living. Is there actually a connection here? Yes, there is. In fact, we read in Deuteronomy 8 and verse 18, God reminds His people, but thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is He that giveth thee power to get wealth. What's that talking about? What's your job? God's given you the wherewithal, the faculties, the manual labor, the, the uh, savvy that you have to do what you do because your master creator created you with that gift and that talent to work and gain wealth. It says, it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth. That word power there is the Hebrew word koak. And it means the propensity, it means the ability, it means the capacity It is God who gave you the talent to do what you do so that you can make a living. So, what about you and your job? We think of only certain occupations as being spiritual. Maybe uh, a preacher, maybe a missionary, maybe a pastor's wife, maybe a a person who's on the church staff, that kind of a thing. And and that's kind of the spiritual occupations. You say, it's different for me. I, I Nothing spiritual about my job. I occupy a cubicle from five to nine every day or a construction site. And, and so how can you spiritualize what I do? Well, absolutely, I can spiritualize what you do. What you do every day, you do to the glory of God, whatever it might be, that job you work. You know, there's a world of yours that I don't know, if you think about it. I see it within these four walls. I see many of you all the time here. And uh, we greet each other and we smile. And we have a good time where we're here. But... but I've known you for years, and most of you, I've never been to where you work. Never. I was to the office of one of our fine men here a week before last, and I thought, this gentleman is somebody I've known. He's been to church for years. But I've never seen him in action down at his office, and he oversees a number of people there. You know, you might be a teacher, uh, you might be a soldier, you might be a carpenter, you might be a welder, you might be into sales, uh, you might be a secretary someplace, you might be a registered nurse, or you might be a doctor, or you might be into heating buildings and cooling them, you might be into uh, driving a bus, you might drive a truck. But it doesn't matter what you do, it's a spiritual occupation. You will believe that by the time we're done today. There would be no Fargo Baptist Church without you, would there? 
I mean, if you just carry that thing through, if it wasn't for you and your job, we wouldn't be here right now. And so, no, it's not secular and it's not sacred and, and we have this line between the two. For the past three, four weeks, we've been talking about occupations and, and some as husbands and dads and some as wives and moms and some as children. And in context, the whole thing has is, is been about being filled with the Spirit. Remember that? Whatever we do, we're, we're to be filled with the Spirit. Well, how you conduct yourself at work perhaps speaks more about you spiritually than anywhere else. Let's face it. We can come to church, we can come within these, these four walls here, and, and uh, we can uh, be a certain person, but do I really know you as well as the co-worker knows you? You know, I see you singing in the choir, or I see you ushering, or I see you greeting and, and serving in some capacity, but I, do I really know you as well as your boss knows you? And those down at the office or the construction site know you, because they see you in a different light then I see you here. And that's why it makes our conduct at work so very, very important. So as we look at just these few verses here today, and we talk about you and your job, let's see first of all what I call that sincere service. Sincere service. You know, it was Vince Lombardi, the legendary coach of the Green Bay Packers, who made this statement. He said, if you are not fired with enthusiasm you will be fired with enthusiasm. <laughs> There's some people like that. You just want to can them. You just want to fire them with enthusiasm. Are you fired with enthusiasm with your occupation? Notice in verse number 5 here, Paul starts by saying, Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in singleness of your heart, as unto Christ. You say, well, pastor, I thought we were talking about employees and employers. This is talking about servants and masters. Don't get so hung up on that, all right? That was the system back there in the days of Rome, and it went on. In fact, it was used several times in the Bible as kind of a paradox. For example, Paul wrote this in 1 Corinthians 7.22, For he that is called in the Lord being a servant is the Lord's freeman. Likewise, also, he that is called being free is the Lord's servant. This servant and the master thing, it went on back in those times, and Paul addresses it here. Peter also mentioned it. First Peter 2.18, he said, Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the forward, to those who aren't so good and gentle. So don't get all hung up on that, that servant-master thing. I don't want to lose anyone right there. We, we are talking about principles that apply to your occupations, all right? Now, notice, first of all, it says, servants, be obedient. Be obedient to them who are over you. When you argue with the boss, you're not being obedient, are you? When you continually critique the boss, or you second-guess the boss, or you whisper to other people about the boss, and, and even challenge things that, he doesn't, that, that you don't agree with that he does, you're not being obedient. When you're saying, well, I, don't, I wouldn't do it that way, you're not following him. You are under authority, you are to obey that authority. I know that's not good union talk, but that's biblical talk. You are to obey those who have the rule over you down at the office. God says so. And, and so your job description, what are you supposed to be doing? Are you doing what is expected of you? Are you working hard at it? Are you working with a good attitude there? You know, being saved ought to make you a better employee. 
Being a Christian, being a believer, ought to make you a better employee. And so never be presumptuous. Well, I'm a Christian. I ought to get preferential treatment. No. Uh, You say, well, pastor, what if my boss isn't saved? Well, there's nothing conditional here in this passage that I read. There's no contingency here that says, okay, obey them if they're a born-again Christian. There's nothing here about that in our text. We are to have a good attitude at our place of employment. If we don't, it's detrimental. To the salvation of our boss, to the salvation of our co-workers, we're actually being counterproductive. We are hurting more than we are helping. And so we are to be obedient. And if you cannot follow the authority over you at the job site or the office, you ought to quit. And you ought to go get another job. Move on. But otherwise, every day you ought to show up and say, I'm going to work the best I can today. I'm going to work as hard as I can today. I am going to work with a good attitude today. A spirit-filled heart is a submissive heart. If we're truly filled with the Spirit, we're going to be submissive. Now notice, it goes on in verse number 5. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling. Notice, in singleness, haplot ace, that's the Greek word there, in singleness of your heart as unto Christ. What's that talking about? Singleness of heart. Well, it speaks of sincerity. I mean, working sincerely, and it speaks of being on the same page, pulling on the same end of the rope down there at the office. Not being a nego, but cooperating for the common good of everybody down there. In singleness of heart. We read that expression in Acts 2.46 of the Christians. It says, And they, continuing daily with one accord, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. They were in this thing together. There was, there was agreement there. There was cooperation They were not being negative. You know, they were not thinking of themselves. At work, you ought to be thinking of the good of the company. It's not about you. It's about the company. And not seeking self-glory. I don't want any glory grabbers amongst the church people of Fargo Baptist Church down at work. Because it's not about us. With excellence and with integrity uh, and with a great attitude, we work our jobs. That's the way we ought to work. You know, there are some companies or some organizations, they're just earmarked by a good spirit. You walk into them and, whoa, there's just a sweet spirit in this place. And you can feel it. It is a contagious thing. It's upbeat and you want to be around it. That ought to be the place where we work and we ought to help make it that way. So we see, first of all, this sincere service. You say, why? Well, secondly, for the Savior's sake. We see the Savior's sake involved in this, and it's mentioned in verse 6 and 7. It says, not with eye service as men-pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with goodwill, doing service as to the Lord and not to men. You say, Pastor, that word eye service, not with I service. What does that mean? Can you kind of imagine what it means? It talks about only working when the boss is looking. Giving him I service. Oh, there's the boss. I better get with it here. Being a schmoozy, you know. There was a place I worked at years ago as a teenager, and I was just an apprentice, an electrician. And I didn't work with this particular guy. I worked with another guy, but another apprentice had to work with this one fella. And that other fellow was always standing around. He was the journeyman. 
He was always making the apprentice do all the work. But when the boss would show up, oh, he got busy and he started talking about how we did this and we did that. And finally, one day, the apprentice got ticked off and he squealed on him. He said, what's this we business? You keep standing around, I'm doing all the work. And boy, he squealed to the boss. That's what it means when we're men-pleasers. That's what it means when we're doing eye service. Why stand around and, and, and work so hard at getting out of work? You know, my dad taught me years ago, the time is going to go by anyway. Think about it. The time is going to be gone, whether it's a four-hour morning or an eight-hour day. Why blow the morning? Why blow the day? Why not do anything during that time and you get to the end of the day and you have no good feeling like you didn't accomplish anything? The time is going to go by anyway. I'll never forget my dad saying that. You might as well use it to the fullest. And when when the day is over, at least you feel like you've accomplished something. Now, these two verses here speak of the motive for work. Notice again, verse 6 says, Not with eye service as men pleasers. There's the wrong motive. Because people are looking or because, well, they'll be thankful for it afterwards. No, that's not even the motive. The Bible says, not with eye service as men pleasers. Here's the motive. But as the servants of Christ. We do it as servants of Christ. We do it for the Lord. Look at verse number 7. With goodwill, doing service, notice these words again, as to the Lord and not to men. You work for Christ. That's what it's saying. Now, he doesn't sign your paycheck, obviously. But you work for Christ as unto the Lord. Remember that verse? 1 Corinthians 10.31 Whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. We work our jobs and we say, I am doing this, not because somebody's watching. Nobody's watching, perhaps, but Jesus is always watching. Christ is always watching. And Christ knows if we are fudging, we're not doing our best. He knows if we're fudging on our time or our time sheets, if we're claiming that we work these hours when we didn't. Christ is watching, and He knows that. Are we all there, all the time, giving it our best, without distractions, not cheating? By the way, Christians shouldn't cheat. Those are two words that just don't really go together. Christian and cheating. I know of a church, I know of a pastor years ago, he had an assistant pastor who was cheating, claiming to be at work and he wasn't, claiming to be out on visitation and he was at home. He had a wife who uh, was irresponsible and lazy and, and uh, so the assistant would go home to help cover for her with the kids and claim he was out on visitation and he wasn't. He got fired. That is cheating. Christians shouldn't cheat. Notice in verse 7, it says, With goodwill, doing service as to the Lord and not to men. Why do we do what we do with our occupation, with our vocation, with our job? We do it as unto the Lord. Notice again verse number 6. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ. We don't do it to get glory. We don't do it because somebody is looking in fact, Jesus taught a principle back in Matthew 6.1. He said, Take heed that you do not your alms before men, notice these words, to be seen of them, otherwise you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Do we work only to be seen of them? To get the kudos, to get the acclaim, to get the praise, to be seen of them? Years ago when Thomas Edison opened his first plant, his first factory, 
He noticed that his employees were looking at this big clock on the wall all the time. Of course, that was unbelievable to him. He, he, he knew no hour. He just worked around the clock. That was such a, a violation to him. He took that big clock down. He put other clocks around the place, but none of them was on time. <laughs> so it didn't, didn't help the look of the clock. And he said the results were marvelous. Christians shouldn't have to be monitored. All right? It's been well said we should take the cop off the corner and put him in the heart. Monitor ourselves. Do it because it is right. Romans 13 and verse 5 says, Wherefore you must needs be subject or in submission, not only for wrath, in other words, so you don't get fired, but also for conscience sake. Christians should monitor themselves. The policeman should be in the heart, and we should be in subjection or in submission, not for wrath's sake, not because we're going to get demoted, but for conscience sake. Christians have a higher reason for doing what's right other than, oh, I don't want to get fired. It ought to be for God's glory. In Titus 2 and verse 9, it says, Exhort servants to be obedient unto their own masters and to please them well in all things, not answering again, not smart enough, not purloining, but showing all good fidelity. Now, notice the last part of verse number 6 here, where it says, But as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God, how? From the heart. From the heart. From the heart. Do we work from the heart? Do we really put our heart into our work? You know, I've known of people who got fired for being too slow. Now, I've known some of those same men to be really fast on a softball field or on a basketball court. When it comes to playing, they're speedy Gonzales. They're all over the place, you know. What happens down at work when you get fired for being too slow? You know what the solution for that is? Come up close. Work faster. All right? Work faster. What a novel thought. Doing the will of God from the heart. If you're a teacher, teach from the heart. If you're a construction worker, build things from the heart. If you're a salesman, sell from the heart. If you're an educator, educate from the heart. Do it with passion. Do it with zeal. Man, I like to go to work every morning like I got fired out of a cannon. And, and I still do it with enthusiasm and, and, uh, and, and run from point A to point B if it's quite a distance. You know, there are a number of vocations that, that need filling out there, and God has put you in one of those. That's your world Monday through Friday, as it were. That's what you do most of the week. Whether you're a telemarket person, whether you're a banker, whether you are a heating specialist or a salesperson, what you do, there is a need for it. There is a value for it. It makes the world go around. So go the extra mile. That is an extension of you spiritually. That is a ministry. And, and don't have a mentality, well, I'm just going to do the uh, required and that's it. You know, I don't do windows attitude and that's not my table attitude. You know, that kind of a mentality. But go the extra mile. If you bid something, you see something else on that job that needs to be done, uh, mention it or just take care of it. If there's something on the floor at work, pick it up. But... But just go the extra mile. There is nothing unimportant. Give your boss your best. You say, well, pastor, what if my boss is a jerk? You know, one of Gary's men just asked that the other day to me. I, I don't know what the connection was there, but what if your boss is a jerk? No doubt in a crowd of hundreds, you've got a boss, and, and uh, boy, I'll tell you what, he is a jerk. You know what the Bible says in First Peter 2 and verse 18? 
Subjects or servants, be subject to your masters with all fear. Look at this. Not only to the good and gentle, but also to the forward. That's the jerk. For this is thankworthy if a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example, that ye should follow his steps. That's what that as to the Lord thing is all about. Notice that in verse 7. With good will doing service as to the Lord and not to men. That will keep you going at the job. That will keep you going when you're critiqued. That will keep you going when there's a nego down at the office or at the job site. And there always is, by the way. Isn't there always a nego? Somehow you just know that there's going to be a negative person. There's going to be a crab. By the way, there's a certain kind of crab that a fisherman can catch and throw a bunch of them into a bucket. He doesn't have to put a lid on them. Because if one of them's trying to crawl out, the other ones will pull them back down. There's just people like that out there in the world, aren't there? And you might work with some of them down at work, but if we keep our eyes on the Lord, we'll keep going. The Bible says in Colossians 3.17, And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Notice the highlighted whatsoever. What does that include? Well, everything. It says in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. So we see the sincere service, We see the Savior's sake. Thirdly, we see the supernal subsidy. There is a reward for working at our jobs. There is an eternal reward. It's mentioned in verse 8. It says, Knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. Notice, knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord. That word receive there, it's the Greek word for commission. How many of you work on a commission? Raise your hand. Part commission. Quite a few of you. We know what a commission is. Uh, You do a good job, you get this bonus, if you will. Well, in God's work, there's a reward. There is a commission. There is something waiting for you. We read in Hebrews 6.10 that the Lord is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which you have showed toward His name. The Lord remembers it. He will remember it. You will be rewarded for that. Christ said this in Luke 14, 14, For thou shalt be recompensed at the resurrection of the just. This isn't something for lost people. This isn't for the unsaved. This is the just. The resurrection of the just is the judgment seat of Christ. That's for Christian people. And it says, Thou shalt be recompensed. There's our word commission again rewarded again at the resurrection of the just. God doesn't forget it. Now, you might work behind the scenes and nobody may notice that. God does. Some of you, um, and we have a few in this church, all week long you, you work with those who are mentally challenged and you do good at that. Keep it up. Do it well. Verse 8 says, Knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord. Notice this part, whether he be bond or free. You know, there's a caste system on the earth here. You may have noticed there's the upper echelon, there's the lower crust, but not in heaven. The ground is level at the cross. The ground is level when it comes to God. And remember that, if you have people under you even, you're not going to be their boss in heaven. (laughs) That's going to stop there. We read this in Galatians 3.28, 
There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. So if you're over people, stay humble. I've seen this as the demise of a number of Christian people. They, uh, they get saved and, and uh, they apply biblical principles and they, they grow in character and God blesses them and, and they do prosper and, and then they get prideful. Something awful happens. They change. They think they're somebody. You know, when King Saul was little in his own eyes, as the Bible puts it, you could work with the guy. When he became somebody, it went to his head. Stay humble. God's given you talent. But, but you're going to have to give an account for what you did with that talent. In 2 Corinthians 5.10, the Bible says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. So whatever you've done with that talent, with that ability, you're going to give an account for it. Your job, if you will, is your contribution to this society at this time in history. God has ordained you to work. That is a ministry within itself. You know, some of you, you're, uh, you're an ordained plumber, some of you are, are an ordained maintenance man. We have ordained carpenters here. We have ordained teachers here. We have people who are in the medical field. You are ordained nurses. We have used car salesmen. You're ordained used car salesmen. Let me think about that one for a while if I could. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Or an ordained lawyer as it might be. The bottom line is what you do you ought to strive to do better than anyone else. What you do, you ought to be the best at it in the uh, Fargo-Moorhead area. If God has ordained you to do it, don't be a clock watcher. Don't be a nago. Don't worry about the nagos. Don't get caught up in the gossip. Don't be a sourpuss. If you do these things, you will catch the attention of your co-workers as a Christian. You will catch the attention of your, your boss. You don't have to go around uh, carrying a, a Bible under your arm and quoting Bible verses to catch their attention. In fact, they'll be rolling their eyes. You don't need the, the fish symbol on the uh, bumper of your car. You don't need the cross around your neck. You don't need any of that stuff. If you're working hard and you're having a good attitude down at work, they'll notice. They'll notice. You know, in the early days of the church, I, uh, I got a part-time job because, you know, the church was really small. And I'll never forget working my best for somebody in this area here and overhearing the boss saying, boy, with this new guy, we're going to be caught up in no time. I was on the other side of the wall. I went, yes, we'll be caught up in no time. I also overheard him say to somebody one time, this new guy makes us all kinds of money. You know, that's what we're there for. We are there to make the boss money, plain and simple. Verse 8 says, Knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive the Lord, whether he be bond or free. There is that sup supernal subsidy when we do our jobs well. Now, finally, let's talk about the supreme supervisor. There are some here, you are bosses. And there's a word here for bosses. For three or four verses, the Lord here has been addressing employees. But notice in verse number 9, it says, And ye masters, do the same things. Ditto, do the same things unto them. Forbearing, threatening, knowing that your master also is in heaven, neither is there any respect of persons with him. 
You know, it was Robert Frost who said, if you uh, work a job and you're diligent and you put in your eight hours every day and you're faithful, eventually you'll be the boss and then you'll be able to work 12 hours a day. (laughs) And those of you who are bosses, you know that is true. Now, notice verse number 9 says, In ye masters, here's a reminder to the bosses, do the same things unto them, forbearing, threatening. Here's the point, knowing that your master, and, and literally means your master and their master, also is in heaven, neither is there respect of persons with him. Here's the supreme supervisor. He is, he is higher than any of us. He is impartial. He is just. He is unbiased. And he glares at unjust bosses. He, he glares at nasty bosses. You know, in the Bible, we find pretty much an example of everything. There's a nasty boss in the Bible. Did you know that? Who comes to mind? Nabal, remember? Back there in the Old Testament, he's called churlish. Not a word we use every week. Know anyone who was churlish this last week? So I looked that up, and it's got a bunch of different definitions and and basically saying the same thing. But if I could sum up a churlish boss in one word, he's a jerk. Nabal was a jerk. In fact, here's a statement made about him. In 1 Samuel 25, 17, it was said, For he is such a son of Belial that a man cannot speak to him. He is a son of the devil. You can't reason with him. You can't speak with him. You know who said this? one of his employees, his employees. You know who they said it to? His wife. And you know what? Nobody disagreed with the statement. He must have been a jerk. He must have been a son of Belial. You must not have been able to reason with him or even speak with him. Now, let me just say to the bosses here, if you want respect, show respect. If you have employees and and you want dignity shown, you need to show dignity. King Saul was a loser of a leader because he didn't show any of these things and he didn't receive it back. In fact, he was such a loser of a leader, he, he, he used sympathy to try and get his followers to follow him. Does anyone feel sorry for me? Can you imagine that? If you want diligence, be diligent. If you're a boss and you want motivation, be motivated. If, if you're a boss and you want your employees to be passionate, show some passion. If you're a boss, do it humbly. There is no job too lowly for the boss to do. These bosses that sit around smoking cigars are a turnoff. Many years ago, there, during the, uh, the Revolutionary War, there was a squad of men. There was a big timber on the road, and those men were trying with all their might to move it off the road. And, and they, were, they, were, they were hearing the words of the corporal sitting on the horse saying, Heave! Heave! And they were uh, pushing with everything they had, and they just couldn't quite do it. A horseman rode up in a long jacket, and he said, Corporal, how come you're not helping those men? And the young soldier, the young officer said, I'm a corporal. So the horseman got off his horse, he went over, and and he helped those men with a few heaves get that big timber off the road. He walked back to the corporal, and he said, if you ever need any more timber moved, just call your commander-in-chief. He got on his horse and rode off. It was George Washington himself. What an attitude to have that I don't do that kind of thing. If you are a loser of a leader, you should not be in a position of leadership. The Bible teaches the servant leader. And Jesus said in Luke twenty-two 
26, He that is greatest among you, let him be as he that doth serve. Jesus Christ proved this by washing feet. By washing feet. I was, uh, I was talking to the young people here a week or two ago about a missionary we support by the name of Tom Godet. Tom Godet was over in Thailand. He was working with our own missionary, Brother Lang, over there. And a group of Bible college students had come over there and over there they have what's called in the bathroom squatty potties. It's, it's not what we're used to here. It's a hole in the floor, basically. And you can kind of imagine what it was used for and why they call it a squatty potty. Well, somebody had used it, one of the Bible college students, and made a mess. And when Brother Lang came into the bathroom, he found Tom Godet cleaning it up. Somebody else's mess. That's a servant. That's a leader. That's a boss. He that is greatest among you, let him be as he that doth serve. Plain and simple. Be a servant leader. If you're a Bible college student here, by the way, and and, uh, you don't have a servant's heart, you're in the wrong place. If you're aspiring to go into the ministry, and you're selfish and self-centered, you're wasting our time here. I just want to say that. Or if you are inward, you're wasting our time. If you want to lead, or if you want to be the boss, you need to set... The example, people will follow folks like that. And, and leaders or bosses won't need to badger those under them to get them to follow him. In fact, verse 9 addresses that. Notice these words, forbearing, threatening. Forbearing, threatening. If you model it, they will follow you. You can either govern by love or govern by terror. But the Bible speaks of forbearing, threatening. So if you are a boss here today, be just. Try to keep your promise as best you can. Watch the preferential treatment. Don't humiliate your employees. Be fair to them. You know, Sir Walter Bibley said, uh, bosses normally get the employees they deserve. And that's the truth. And so, have, have a heart for your employees. Be positive on the job site. Work hard and be an encouragement to them. And... and uh, Don't allow shouting matches in the office. Don't give ulcers. Don't allow nervous breakdowns. Don't humiliate employees. That's not a Christian. Christians should have core values in our work. And uh, if, if we have a Christian organization, if you have a Christian organization, your employees will know it. And you won't have to force them into Bible studies. Well, if you're an employee here, you're going to... No. If, if they see something real in the boss, they have a brain. Let them figure it out. They'll want what you have. They'll want in on that company Bible study. Notice the last part of verse number 9 speaks of, neither is there any respect of persons with him. Talking about God. God looks at us all equally. And Colossians 3.25 says, He that doeth wrong shall receive of the wrong which he hath done, and there is no respect of persons. With God, the ground is level. And you might be the boss at work, but you have one over you, a supreme supervisor. Now, I was thinking about this this last week. I've, I've preached thousands of sermons over the years, over, over a quarter century. And uh, I've covered a lot of subjects. A lot of things have been preached on. But uh, in, in the 32 years I've been preaching, there are probably fewer things more practical than dealing with our jobs, where we work. You know, I know of a preacher, and, and um, he was in another town, and, and I don't know if he's still there, but he said a local business would only hire people from 
his church because of their character. He said, I don't have to even train them. The, the boss said, they're trained down their church. They, they know Christian principles. He said, I know what I'm getting. Now, why settle for mediocrity? If we are believers, if we know the Lord, if we've been saved, if, if, if Christ lives in us and we have the mind of Christ, why settle for mediocrity? You know, the Bible calls us peculiar people. Think about that. And yes, we are different. We should be different. We should work different. If you're a boss, we, you should run your company differently. The Bible here lays out in these, what, five, six, seven, eight, nine verses, nine, five verses here, what we ought to be as employees and what we ought to be as bosses. I think if we did, we could make a difference. The Bible speaks of making a difference. Make a difference in the salvation of somebody, uh, their eternity no less, if we're just different where we work. So may I admonish you in closing, may I encourage you, wherever you work, whatever you do, wherever you go tomorrow and you do all day long, do it as best as you can. God help us. You've been listening to Pastor Tony Skeving of the Fargo Baptist Church in Fargo, North Dakota. If you would like a CD of today's message, you can obtain one by sending a gift of $2 to Fargo Baptist Church 3303 23rd Avenue South, Fargo, North Dakota, 58103. That address again, Fargo Baptist Church, 3303 23rd Avenue South, Fargo, North Dakota, 58103. We hope you'll join Pastor Skeving next time right here on Pulpit Power. Pulpit Power is a production of Heaven 88.7.